now broadcasting from Suitland, Maryland, USA, Abiding Truth with Dr. McCune, an outreach of Suitland Road Baptist Church. Please visit us at www.srbcoutreach.org. And now, here's our pastor, Dr. Calvin M. McCune. We continue this, we started this last week, and this is part two of this Christian life. Oh, of course, one can say every sermon should be about Christian life, but when I use it here for the title for my sermon, what I'm trying to focus on here is the practical aspect as we go through our daily problems, how we experience Christ, and from Paul's perspective, Paul is saying while he was in prison, look, this is the reality of it. Walking in the Spirit is not something abstract, it's something very practical. We experience the walking and the filling of the Holy Spirit, and serving Jesus is very practical. We're in Colossians chapter 4, so we praise God. Colossians chapter 4, let's open in prayer. We ask God to bless us. Father, thank you for your word, dear God. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Guide us and use us, Lord Jesus. Open your word to us, to our hearts and minds, in the name of Jesus, so we can understand it, so that you can use us to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, before we move on, I I would like you to go to Colossians chapter 1 and look at verses 18. A few verses there, which we already covered last week. Speaking about the husband-wife relationship, remember that he says, as is fitting, Colossians, I'm not chapter 1, chapter 3. Colossians 3.18, it says, remember he says, as is fitting in the Lord. And then in verses 20, Colossians 3.20, for this is well-pleasing to God. (coughs) And then um, Colossians 3.23 and whatever you do, do it, do it heartily as to the Lord. And verses 24, he says, you serve the Lord Jesus. So it is, it is with that in mind that we need to look at chapter 4. All right? That we are serving God and we're doing what we're doing as unto the Lord. That's how we have to understand chapter 4. So let's see what God is saying here. Lord is saying, Paul is saying, masses, and of course we did conclude, we did connect chapter 3, uh, verses 25. He went right on to chapter 4, verse 1. But Paul is saying, masses, give your bond servants what is just and fair, knowing that you, ha- you also have a master in heaven. Now, when they do that, they have to do that as unto the Lord. So I want us to understand this as unto the Lord. What exactly is as unto the Lord? That means a sense of focus. Your focus has to be always that what I am doing, I am pleasing Jesus. It has to be that. Otherwise, the enemy can distract us from different things that are happening around us. When it is I am serving Jesus, the enemy will still come at us. But he will never win the battle if what I am doing is as unto the Lord. 
So as unto the Lord has a sense of central focus. In the church is the same thing. If someone responsibility as those who have the responsibility to clean the church. So Sammy comes in and he vacuums the church. And every time I see Sammy, I say, Sammy, when you clean the church, you're doing it as unto the Lord. And that's his focus, as unto the Lord. I come and I'm doing this as unto the Lord. And whatever you do, that has to be your focus. Look at verses 2. Continue earnestly in prayer. What's the idea there? Because when I pray, it's as unto the Lord. That's the only way we can have victory in our prayer life. Because we are not, it's not a selfish experience. It's I am praying as unto the Lord. So I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to direct my prayer. Because I know not how I ought to pray until the Spirit gives me wisdom and tells me this is the best way that you have to pray. And that's my focus, as unto the Lord. Being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Vigilance or consistency in our prayer life, well-disciplined prayer life, can only come when we know we are praying to the Lord. We're not praying to make a show. We're not praying to draw attention from others. I am doing this because this is pleasing to God. I am praying to God in heaven in the name of Jesus. And therefore, there will be a discipline in my life. Prayer requires discipline. Everything in our Christian life requires discipline and commitment. We are habit-forming. We can take, cause our time to be consumed with so many things. And the devil will attack us in so many ways. The best habit is when we come before the God and we say, Father, let this spiritual habit, let my soul hunger, Lord, for speaking with you and praying and fellowshipping with you. That's what prays. If the, the early church was defined by prayer, even before the Holy Ghost came, our Lord Jesus told them, wait until you receive the promise of the Father. And they began to pray, and then the Holy Ghost came. The more church prays, the more we'll experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. When we understand that our prayer is our relationship, is being defined by God and what God has done for us, our prayer will be saturated with thanksgiving. Our prayer is not going to be, God, I'm praying, but when I walk away from praying, I feel so depressed because I brought all these needs before you. And they are the same going out as coming, going in and as, as well as finishing my prayer when I started from when I ended. But it is, oh dear God, I have all this storm going on around me, but I thank you, Father. That will heal the soul. I thank you, Father. I'm not going to reflect on all those things. And even if I'm faced with a horrible storm, God, I thank you that you are in control of that. Thanksgiving means that we are acknowledging 
that God is in control. And it is as unto the Lord. It is saying, God, it's your will, it's your purpose, you're divine, you're mighty, you're powerful, and God, you are in control. Paul is in prison while he's writing this. There's nothing to be thankful in the sense from a human perspective. But yet he is thankful. And in our life, in the midst of whatever we're going through, because it's being done as unto the Lord. Meanwhile, praying also for us. No selfishness here. When, he, when we are praying according to the Lord, that God will open to us the door for the word. This brother is in prison. He'll be writing the church and saying, church, pray that I get out of this. But he is saying, there's no selfish motive here. I'm concerned about souls. God, you open the doors. The question at hand is this. Do I want to get out of prison? Of course. But am I surrounded by people who are on their way to hell? If they don't know Jesus, yes. Then that's my great concern. Do I deserve to be in heaven more than them? No. So, oh dear God, he prays. And he is appealing to the saints. As unto the Lord means it is God's will for everyone to be saved. Now listen, saints. The only way that that can take meaning in our lives is when we are honest before God and we go before the throne of God and we confess our sins and we ask God to keep us at the cross where we are broken so that we can experience Christ inside of us. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, praying also for us. God is the one to do it. That God will open to us a door for the word. Only God can give us opportunity. But we have to step out in faith. One cannot say, God, I'm staying home every Saturday. Can you open doors for me to evangelize? God says that is hypocrisy. Says you're hearing the word and you're being obedient. As unto the Lord requires a commitment to Jesus. As unto the Lord means that we have to serve him. A willingness to step out. And to say, God, you will open the doors. Every time we go on the streets, every time we go door to door as we do here in our church, we are saying, God, you open the doors for the word. Amen. Last year, being in South Africa, God opened the doors. Ministering there, and we saw so many people came to Jesus. So many people. I stood up there and I said, oh dear God, these people... That area had been in, they are in poverty, the environment, the place where they're living, the condition. How am I going to say, God, you love them in this? Father, please help me. It was not the only time that happened. That had happened in other places. But God, please give me that clarity. And the Holy Spirit blessed me. And so many people came to Jesus. So many people came to Christ. God opened doors, saints. To speak the mystery of Christ, that is the gospel message for which I am also in chain. Paul is saying, look, when I look at my circumstance, I'm in prison, but what matters to me is that people need to be born again. That's really living a life as unto the Lord. That's living, living to the Lord means living for the cross. It means living for the gospel, 
not living to be blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed until we die. No one will get saved that way. It means living for Jesus' mission, and it is God's mission that the world hears the gospel. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. We pray, oh dear God, help me to make the gospel clearer and clearer every day. Paul is at the end of the journey. He, his life, he already did first, second, third missionary journey. So many churches established, but yet he's asking for clarity. God, give me wisdom to share your gospel. Help me to keep it simple, Lord. Help me not to try to impress people, Lord, to come across so great that they will admire me. God, that will not help them. But let me just express only the gospel, the love of Jesus, so that the Holy Spirit can take the word of God and let it fulfill the purpose for which God intended that word. The gospel has to go forth. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. That is, towards our unbelievers. God wants us to be wise. Redeeming the time. God wants us to take the time that he gave us and let it be valuable for Jesus. That's what serving the Lord, living as unto the Lord, is all about. We have to redeem the time that God gave us. There are two things we can do with the time that God gave us. We can exist or we can exist to serve the Lord. And so here, we exist to serve the Lord. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each other. Gracious speech, kindness. We are not going in the world to be arrogant to anyone. We love them. Christ loves them. We, take, we are gentle towards them. We are sharing the gospel message, but we are speaking the truth also. We are letting them know hell is real, heaven is real, judgment is real, but Jesus loves you. We're not compromising the gospel message. We're letting people know, and people are afraid to come to Christ because they're thinking, if I come to Jesus, I may endure some suffering. We don't say, no, everything will be great. No, you may, but point is that Jesus loves you, and he wants to save you. And you can rest and trust that once you make that decision, he will be with you. so that you may know how you ought to answer each other. And I want to, in this scripture here, it's even with each other. And as we minister to others, when we are doing whatever we're doing and when we are speaking whatever we are speaking, is as unto the Lord. Look, the people in the world will judge us two ways, by what we say and how we behave. Make no mistake. If we say nice words, Jesus loves me, I'm a child of God, and yet we behave the way unbelievers behave. That's not going to help them. The devil will use that to communicate a message that is contrary to Christianity, contrary, and he will even put it on their hearts then to why should I trust in Jesus? Now, verses 7. Tychicus, like that word, 
my son was here, I should tell him, we should have called him that. That is Joel. Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister. What a blessing. A beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. That's what makes him beloved. Are you following this? That's what makes, it, makes that person committed. Dr. Dixon isn't here. But if I had to speak, his wife is here, but Dosha is here. He's a beloved brother. I see him as a beloved brother. You know why? Because he's, he is, has always been serving in the Lord. Taking challenges. I went with me to Ghana, the condition in which he had to live at least for the first few days. He did it. Times that he went to Liberia, South America, Uganda, other places. He was serving God. And in spite of conditions, health conditions, he will take his equipments with him so he can survive. And that's why I value his friendship because we are fellow, he's a fellow laborer in the Lord. In the Lord. He's willing to take those risks and do what he has to do. That's why. Today people define people by what they can do for them. This person is beloved because they have been kind to me. Nothing wrong in being kind. Look, it's better to say this person is beloved because they are in the Lord. Yes, they have been kind to me, but they are in the Lord. Together we are serving Jesus. Nothing blesses a pastor's heart than when, congregation, when I say let's go out, and you come and you follow, and we go out together. That's better than anything else. Better than anything else because we are serving God together. And we are redeeming the time that God has given us. Fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. Paul is in prison. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose. That he may know your circumstance and comfort your heart. That's in the Lord. And he's going to say to the churches, don't be worried about me being in prison. Don't be stressed about that. Instead, pray that God will open doors because there are people here that they need to come to Jesus. Matter of fact, get courage by what I'm going through. Be comforted by that. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother because he is faithful to the Lord who is one of you they will make known to you all things that are happening here souls are being saved the Holy Ghost is leading Paul to write Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians Philemon later on 2 Timothy while he's in prison he was released for a while he wrote 1 Timothy and Titus came back and he wrote 2 Timothy and then he was beheaded but even then, he served Jesus. He's redeeming his time. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, 
He greets you. What a blessing. He's a prisoner with me, born again, sends his love to you. What a blessing. And I can see him, both of them there together, with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. This is Mark, who on the first missionary journey ran away, whom God blessed and strengthened to understand that he is serving the Lord. This is Mark, whom God used to write the Gospel of Mark, about whom you receive instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Welcome him. He's a brother in Christ. Just welcome him. You see how the church had community and love and care for each other? You see how they weren't functioning by themselves, every man doing his own thing? But together, there was a sense of sweet fellowship, wasn't there? That's real Christian life. That's what God does. We are family, and we exist together. Just as Christian homes, as family. That's why the Word of God says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. The church is a family. When one hurt, we all hurt. When one rejoice, we all rejoice. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are my fellow workers for the kingdom of God unto the Lord. Whatever we do is as unto the Lord. There's something wonderful and precious when we do it as unto the Lord. Somehow we get more energy to do it. We don't know where it comes from, but God gives it to us. Somehow the emotional, psychological, demonic warfare coming against us, affecting us from all sides, we keep our focus. I'm doing this as unto the Lord. The Holy Ghost keeps us there. The battle may be around us, but we know we are serving Jesus. Especially behind the scenes ministry, like discipleship and other ministries in the church. We're not doing it for fame, recognition, or anything. I'm serving Jesus. It radiates. It's a blessing. It bears fruit when it's done that way. It's amazing how God uses it. It's amazing the joy we have in our spirit when we serve God that way. What a blessing. They have proved to be a comfort to me. See the love and the joy that exists. It's not that Paul did not need to be comforted. Surely the brother, he needed to be comforted. But nevertheless, he's not praying, God, get me out of this comfort. God will take care of that. What he's concerned about, the word of God has to go forth. Souls have to be saved for Jesus. Whenever God brings somebody in your life, there is a God purpose. If the person is saved, encourage them. If they're not, witness to them. Now listen, I want to pause here and say something before we move on concerning redeeming the times. The hours belong to Jesus. Our time belongs to Jesus. So we don't want to utilize a whole lot of God's time with other things, being distracted by TV and other things, phone calls and all those things. Stay focused. Go out and witness. Read the word of God. Pray. Do whatever we do. We do it as unto the Lord. The kingdom of God 
who are of the circumcision, they have proven to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bond servant of Jesus, greet you always, laboring fervently for you in prayer that you may stand perfect and complete in the will, in all the will of God. That's the way we ought to pray. Oh, dear God, help the church, God, to stand strong. Are you following that? Help the assembly, Lord, to stand strong in you. The Holy Ghost will always lead us to pray. God knows in these end times we have to stand. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea. And those in Hierapolis, Luke, the beloved physician, and they must greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea, and Nymphas and the church that is in her, in his house. And some people believe that this is a sister's home, but it's a house church. And people make what they have available to God for God to use. When we serve God, everything we have should belong to God. God, give you a car. Lord, let me use it for you. I'll give you a house. Let me use it for you. Everything we have has to be used for God. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church and Leo, two of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle of Laodicea. And say to, I'm not going to try to describe his word. You see it there? Say it yourself, however you want to describe it. <laughs> Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Are you following this? All right. Okay. The brother's name is Archippus. That's really what it is. All right? That's how you pronounce it. It's Archippus. All right. But what I want you to focus on is this. God has called all of us into a ministry. There's no need for us to be looking around and comparing ministry to ministry. God called you to serve him. And God says, look, you have a responsibility for what I called you to do. What's your responsibility? Don't complicate it. Fulfill it. It's not complicated, right? God says, I call you to do it, you do it. He called me to be a pastor and to teach and then from that, to minister to others, disciple others, and disciple pastors, what do I have to do? Fulfill it. I can't say, Brother Gabriel, can you fulfill my pastorate? No. I have to do it. No excuses. He has to fulfill his. Follow that? And, I should, and we're not going to say, well, now, how come this sister isn't doing her part? And until that person get it right, I'm going, no. You have to focus on what God called you to do. is as unto the Lord. My life belongs to you, and I'm going to serve Jesus. Right up to the end. There's something I want to say here, by the way. Remember the word thanksgiving? How do we view ministry or service to the Lord? The Holy Spirit blesses us. Serving God is a, is a divine blessing. God's mercy that gives us opportunity. 
We're so thankful. We're never doing God a favor. It's just a blessing. Thank you, Jesus. Not only that you saved me, but you're using me. And God, if I'm sick and you heal me, it is for your kingdom. Even if you don't heal me, it is still for your kingdom. Whatever happens, God, is for your kingdom. Serving him as unto the Lord. What a blessing. This salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains. Remember I'm in here. Remember me, pray for me. Observe my circumstance. I'm not complaining because God has sent others to comfort me. And by the way, you know, many a time, saints, we have to receive comfort. When God sends someone to comfort you, how are you doing? Fine. No, you know you're hurting. Stop being dishonest. <laughs> Pray for me. I am hurting. Are you following that? Amen. Why refuse God's comfort? Can you give me a word of comfort, brother? I am hurting over here. Are you following? Thank you for calling me. Thank you for encouraging me. That's a better way to go. As I shared with you earlier on, a pastor that called me, dear friend, a co-laborer in Jesus. And he called and he said he lost his son because he's looking for comfort. Right? And I've come to love him. You know why I've come to love him? Because he's a co-laborer. We go out. We go out in the street corner together. He's there. Some of you remember him there with me. Not one, but he keeps doing it all the time. How can, you not, how can we not love each other as fellow pastors, fellow brothers, fellow saints? He's going through this tragedy, and he called. Minutes after he heard this, he called me. What a blessing, saints. When we go through things in life, how God. That's why we have to be in tune to hear from the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit say, call someone, now we can text the person. Don't do it now. We can encourage them, send them a word. Are you following that? Because you don't know that kind word from the word of God, what it is doing, how timely it is. Don't know what that person is going through and how God is making a breakthrough in that person's life. Sometimes when God tells you to connect with, with someone, don't delay it. Don't put it off. Do it right away. I've seen this in my wife's life over the years. Hers is intercessory. And she prays throughout the year, throughout the day, all the time. Praying, praying, praying. She's never delaying that praying. She's always believing God and God using her. But sending texts, sending now, doing things, just encouraging, encouraging. That word of encouragement is such a blessing. We both have to be willing, ready to be used by God, and we both have to be ready to receive it. And that's what Paul is saying. Here's the Apostle Paul. And he's not saying, look, I'm the grand apostle here. I'm fine. I'm blessed. He's saying, please remember me. Remember me. Remember I'm hurting. Remember I'm trusting God. My faith that he will strengthen me and give me opportunity. And then look at how he ends. Grace be with you. Amen. You see that... When it says, in the Lord, 
how do we understand in the Lord? In the Lord is an act of grace. That's what it is. When God uses us is grace. It is by grace that he saves us. And by grace he is using us. That's why when we minister to people, we minister to them based on grace. <coughs> people are hurting around us. We say to them, I hear your hurt. And what about this? What about this, saints? What about people who we keep ministering to and ministering to and encouraging them, and they keep making bad choices? And they keep getting into a mess, bigger and bigger mess. And there's a part of us that says they deserve it. There's a part of us that will say, I've done my part. But God says, regardless of the circumstance, there is grace. What about the child of God who has wandered away? Our message is, your choice, your life is wrong. But God's grace is sufficient. And as God will never give up on us, we will never, ever give up on anyone. Because our very relationship with God started by grace and is being sustained by grace. That's how we experience as unto the Lord. The instant we think anything, like, well, they need, I have had enough, it means we have moved away from grace. Grace keeps us at the cross. And grace will always bear the fruit of thanksgiving. So grace be with you. That's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be with you. His grace and mercy is with us always. Right up to the end. Where sin may abound, what happened? Grace did much more abound. We don't compromise God's holiness. We tell people wrong is wrong, but Jesus loves you. Come to him while he is giving you that opportunity. Come to him. Father, we bless your holy name. In the name of Jesus, we come before you. Dear God, by your Holy Spirit, help us to serve you. And whatever we do, to do it as unto you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Who we are as your children. God, that is defined by your grace. And how we are serving you, dear God, is your grace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you for your word today. And thank you for speaking to our spirit. What we understand, we are so thankful. And what we don't, help us to understand it. Jesus, we bless your holy name. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, we pray. And we pray believing. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.